Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 123. Please join in the prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The 123rd Psalm. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and God bless you. It is great to be with you. And I want you to know that every opportunity that I get to pray for our church and to pray for you, I, I take that opportunity, which means for me it's daily that I'm lifting up our church and our church families and our leaders. And so these opportunities that I have to stand before you and share God's word, I, I consider it a joy, I consider it an honor and a privilege. Thank God for the reading of Holy Scripture. And so before we jump into Psalm 123, I did want to thank all of you who have already responded to the 2021 Filled Up Poured Out pledge, pledge campaign. And I realize, a lot of my pastor friends and I, we realize that this season of this pandemic has disrupted the rhythms and the practices of our churches. Things just aren't going the way we used to do them. And it explains to me why I heard from a few of you who said to me, Pastor Ray, I completely forgot to respond to this year's filled up and poured out pledge campaign. And I just want you to know that your response, and here's why I'm asking you to respond, your response will help our church fulfill its 2021 ministry priorities. And I have a, a synopsis of what those priorities are. And I want you to know we've been working on these priorities, in fact, we just consider 2020 in some ways to be a wash because the, the, the onset of the pandemic so disrupted the rhythm and the focus and what we thought we were going to do. But we're still working on these priorities and you see them on the screen. The first one is that we are seeking to continue to grow our church in fellowship through small groups. The second one is we're seeking to, to create this robust lay leadership training and leadership development for all of the folks in our church. The third priority here is to encourage numerical and spiritual growth among our children and youth. We are looking to expand our vision of year-round stewardship of time, talents, and resources. And here I am asking you to make a pledge, but I want you to know that this is bigger than money. This is about the heart being captured by God and living that out in, in all the many facets of our lives. And then the, 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 the last priority is to develop a comprehensive Christian education program to promote biblical literacy and mature Christian faith for all of our children and youth. 
And I just want to say a big thank you to all of our council, all of our elders, all of our deacons and trustees and our staff. And I encourage you to pray for them because we're all united. We're all working very deliberately in trying to execute and fulfill these priorities. We didn't get to do a good job of them in 2020 for many reasons, but we've started them. But we do want to see even more traction and more growth in 2021. So I need you to respond. And let me tell you what I mean by responding now. It may surprise you. Number one, yes, I do mean respond by filling out that, that pledge card. And you could fill it out online. I did mine online this year. You could literally fill out a card, drop it in the mail, or even drop it by the church. And when you fill that card out, you write in the amount that you believe God wants you to pledge and to give in 2021. But here's another way in which some of you can respond. You can respond by checking that faith-giving box. And you might say, well, Pastor, I don't know how much I'm going to give. I'm going to trust God, and I'm just going to check that box. And that's fine if that's what you believe God wants you to do. But there's a third way this, you can respond, and, and that is you might say, Pastor Ray, I cannot participate in the pledge campaign this year but I'm still gonna check the box that says I'd like to serve. So you see, there are different ways to respond and I want to encourage you, either way you choose to respond, we want to hear from you because when we hear from you, it then, gives, it then gives us a real sense of what we can expect in 2021, what we can spend, what we can prioritize, and it helps us then to focus. So I look forward to more of you uh, getting your, your pledges in this year, all right? So thank you for doing that. So let's just jump into and our, our study here in, in Psalm 123 because it brings us now to the end of our Lessons from the Wilderness series that we started some five weeks ago. And if you remember, the first week we talked about the idols of the heart from Exodus 32. The second week, we, we just, I marveled and I reveled and I'm still thinking about the notion that Moses spoke to God as a friend speaks to another friend. And we talked about prayer as friendship with God in Exodus 33. Then on the third week, we talked about the interim leadership, that every leader is an interim leader, that Moses died at the end of Deuteronomy 32, and Joshua died at the end of Joshua chapter 24. And the lesson that I took from that was that when the leaders of God die or they move on, nothing of God's work dies. And that's a huge lesson for me to learn. And then last week, we talked about walking with God and that walking with God and serving God demands a choice, that you cannot serve God by going in two opposite directions, that you cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, that it's either 100% for God or 100% for the world, but you need to make a choice. And we saw that in Joshua 24. And then this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of prayer. For those of us who are traveling in this wilderness, and we are in a wilderness, folks, how does prayer factor into that? You see, some people believe that prayer is a waste of time because of our modern scientific age. Some people say that prayer belongs to the arena of superstition and hearsay and fantasy, that prayer doesn't work in this time. And I hear it from Christians. And I hear Christians sometimes even chastising me for calling people to pray when they're saying, oh no, you got to get up and go do. And it's to their loss. They fail to realize that when you pray, you are opening your heart up to the love of God and you're experiencing God in a way that you would never experience God. Prayer begins with everything. Everything starts with prayer. And we don't need science to validate the power of prayer. Just talk to the countless 
millions, even billions of people who themselves testify to being overwhelmed and troubled and hurting and sorrowful and grieved and sick and angry and lonely and depressed and, and beaten down and somewhere in their journey through pain, you hear their testimony of how these people were able to look to God and find God to be a present help in time of trouble. And I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if you can identify with what I'm saying to you this morning. Psalm 123 is a song for when you're at the end of your rope. Martin Luther called this psalm the deep sigh of a pained heart. When you are oppressed, when you are persecuted, when you don't know what to do, when you've had enough, Psalm 123 encourages you to look to the Lord and to cast all your cares and to cast all your burdens and to cast your life upon God, put your life in the hand of God and to trust God to do what only God, what only God can do, which is to look for God, look to God for mercy in your time of need. John Calvin, in the preface to his commentary on the Psalms, said, I have been accustomed to call this book, I think not inappropriately, an anatomy of all parts of the soul, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented in, in a mirror. And he's calling the Psalms, he's calling God's word a mirror that reflects what's going on in the soul. Calvin goes on and says that the Holy Spirit has deposited here in the Psalms an antidote to life's griefs and sorrows and fears and doubts and hopes and cares and perplexities. In short, he says, all the distracting emotions with which the minds of men are prone to be agitated. And so I want to encourage you to pick up your phone and find Psalm 123 or pick up your Bible. If we we're here in the church this morning, I would tell you to pick up the Pew Bible. But I do want you to look at Psalm 123 because I want you to identify. Can you identify the distraction? Can you identify the emotion? Can you identify the thing that is agitating the mind of the psalmist? And if you look very carefully at verses 3 and 4, you will see that the agitation and the distraction and the hurt was contempt and scorn. Have you ever experienced scorn? Have you ever experienced contempt? And I'm reading a, a wonderful book called The Warmth of Other Sons, where it chronicles the story of African-Americans who had to flee the South because of Jim Crow laws and white supremacy and just scorn and contempt and hate, seeking a better life. They fled to the Midwest. They fled to, to California. They fled to the East Coast to find a better way of living. And the author of this book then tells the story around four individuals. One man who moved from Louisiana to go out to California a family that moved from Mississippi and moved up to Chicago, a family that moved from Florida and went all the way to New York, a family that fled Alabama and went to Michigan and Detroit. And it, it just breaks my heart when I read the stories, particularly the story of Robert Pershing, who was trained as a medical doctor he could not go into a hospital anywhere in Louisiana and treat patients because they wouldn't let a black doctor serve in those ways. And he said what really broke his heart, his mom and dad were school teachers 
His mom and dad are highly educated people, and the folks in that small town of Eustis, Louisiana, poured such scorn and contempt on his father, calling him a boy. When Dr. Pershing answered the call to serve in the Second World War as a surgeon, the white doctors, and he had seniority and rank above them, still called him boy. And that kind of contempt filled his heart. It broke his spirit. It filled him with rage that he was willing then to leave Alabama, leave Louisiana rather, and go all the way out to California and give it a try and try to find life under a different sun where he could experience acceptance and growth and change. This is what's going on in Psalm 123. Think with me this morning about why did these people pray? Now, Psalm 123 is one of 15 psalms of ascent, sung by pilgrims on their way up to Jerusalem to worship God for one of the annual festivals. Some people call them songs for the road. As they go up, they sing and worship God, and like any gathering of people, some are happy and some are sad, but they all come before the Lord with songs of praise and songs of lament. And I want you to know that whether you're happy or sad this morning, whether you're angry, whatever your emotional state is, God can handle it. Give it back to God. Now, we don't know the date of these psalms. We don't always know the occasion for these psalms, but as we read these words, we know that the worshiper was scorned. The worshiper was treated with disdain and contempt and with ridicule. And the answer is why? Well, some of the commentators believe that as the children of Israel returned from 70 years of exile in Babylon, they found that their homes and their farms and their properties and their way of life was totally turned upside down. Talk about a pandemic. Their properties were confiscated. They found that the temple walls of Jerusalem were in disarray. And as they tried to rebuild and restore their community, the people who lived around them mocked them and jeered them and ridiculed them. And in Psalm 123, it is possible that the psalmist is being mocked and being scorned by arrogant people who have no concern for God, who have no respect for them. And so what does psalmist do? He looks up to God for mercy and for help. I went back and I looked at Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3. And I found a living example of what it must have felt like. Because in Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3, the children of Israel are trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And here's what it says. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and he was greatly enraged and he mocked the Jews. He said in the presence of his associates and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, that stone wall they're building, any fox going on it would break it down. And you could just hear the people laughing at them and mocking them and jeering them, and how did they respond? Well, they didn't fight fire with fire. They didn't retaliate. They did, they did two things in the book of Nehemiah. They prayed to God, and they kept on working. And sometimes that's what you've got to do. Just put your head down and pray to God and keep on working. So I believe that this is the context, maybe the context for Psalm 123. Now, we know why they pray, but how did they pray? 
And again, a beautiful psalm, a comforting psalm about praying to God for help. And in this psalm, we learn that prayer is a bridge to Almighty God. Notice these words, to you, I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens, as the eyes of the servant look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until, so they weren't going to quit, look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. That is why they pray. And how did they pray? Well, through prayer, we are connecting with one who is higher, one who is wiser, one who is more powerful than the individual self. And I think when you pray this way, you must come in humility. So they prayed with humility. I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. One of the reasons why we don't pray is because of pride. And until we are broken, until life slams us to the ground and we realize that we don't have what it takes to make it, that's when we're going to look up and we will begin to pray. We reserve prayer to God for, for big things. That's what some of us do. We say, well, I don't want to bother God with this. And we fail to realize that prayer is friendship with God. That when you pray, you enter into fellowship with God and God pours his love in your heart and you begin to experience the power of God in ways that you've never experienced it before. And just in case you missed it, you look at Psalm 123 on one side, you look on Psalm 121 on the other side, and you realize that both Psalms talk about the eyes looking up to God. Both Psalms encourage the believer to look up, lift up your eyes to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the hills, it says in Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Look up to the Lord and allow him to help you. Allow him to strengthen you. It takes humility to do that, though. Now, listen to me, friends, and you know me long enough. I don't identify myself as a Republican. I don't identify myself as a Democrat or an Independent. I self-identify as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a, I'm a member of the kingdom of God. I'm a pilgrim passing through. And as much as I voted a few weeks ago, I did it because I'm also part of this world and I have a responsibility, but I self-identify as a follower of Jesus. Here's where I'm going. On Saturday night, millions of Americans watched Mr. Biden, President-elect Biden, give his acceptance speech. And as he was speaking, he spoke words that moved my heart. He spoke about a song, he says, that captures the faith that sustains him, which he believes will sustain America. And he said these words, and I hope it can provide some comfort and solace. And he told the crowd about reciting this hymn that he would sing in his church. We sing this hymn in our church. I've, we've sung this hymn many, many times in various services that I've done. And he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. Now here is this man getting ready to become the 46th president of the United States, the ruler of the most powerful country in the world. And what does he do? Now, I believe he's been sincere from his heart. He looks up to God 
And he's asking America to look up to God. And in that moment, Mr. Biden is asking America not to look up to the government, not to look to their money, not to look to their abilities, not to look to themselves. He's asking America to join him in looking up to God because he knows that God will see him through. Now that touched my heart. That touched my heart. And I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to do the same. That when you recognize that the problems of this life are so huge, so complex, that it's in those moments that we look to the one who is greater than we are. What did they pray? We know why they prayed. They were being scorned and ridiculed. We, knew, we know how they prayed. They prayed with humility looking up to God and away from themselves. Well, what did they pray? Well, they prayed for mercy. And that word mercy is mentioned three times in the text. It's a beautiful word. It's a word that means show us favor, show us goodness, empathy, kindness, compassion, love. It's a, it's a rich word. They prayed to God for mercy. And when you're looking down all the time, when you're looking at yourself, you think, I don't need mercy. I have what I need. No, you don't. Those people who follow after God, Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow them. So Psalm 23, I believe then, is a psalm for all occasions. It's for the ancient world. It's for 21st century America. It's adaptable to life. Pray to God for mercy. And God, who is, is mercy, will pour out upon you beyond measure all that you need. That's why we pray. You know, Mother Teresa, in her book, Everything Starts with Prayer, gave this very, very basic illustration, but I love it. She says, in most modern homes, you see an electrical light that can be turned on by a switch. But if there is no connection with the main power, she says there can be no light. And so she says for her, faith and prayer is the connection with God. And when you pray, you flip on a switch. When you pray, you hook into the power of God. When you pray, you connect with all that God has for you. And that's where service begins, she says. Let me give you an example very quickly and then I'll close. So this is back in 1980. I got married to my wife in 1983 to Judith in Jamaica. She had to wait till she get, got the visa to travel to America. And so over a year and two months had gone by and still no visa. And I, somebody told me, why don't you connect with your congressman? And at that time it was Dan Coates. And I reached out to his office and I just thought they were going to blow me off. And when I spoke to them, they said, you know what, I'm going to have him call you back. He called me back. We set up a meeting with Dan Coates. And I went in as the weaker going to the stronger. I went in as the sort of that regular no-name citizen to this very well-known, powerful person. And what was I doing? I was asking for help. I didn't come in with pride. I didn't come in with uh, anger. I came in, not on my knees, but with a recognition that I was the one needing help. He had the power, he had the connection, he had the keys, and through his help and through his influence, we were able to speed up the process. 
and 14 months went by. So when I spoke to him, 12, 14 months had already elapsed. And after speaking with him two months later, and with his help, we got the visa and my wife joined me here in America. That's what I think when I think about prayer, that God loves us, that God has all power, that God has all influence, that God has all the keys to the kingdom, that God will help us. But more than that, when we pray, God wants us to experience his mercy and his love. So we don't make a big deal about coming to prayer meetings here at our church, but we would love for you to join us. If you want to learn how to pray, pray. Pray with other people. And I hope you will join us at the next prayer meeting where together we can experience the love and the mercy and the kindness of God. So look to the Lord. He's the king on his throne. Look to the Lord the way a servant looks to a master. Look to the Lord as your merciful Savior who abounds with love and mercy for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>